0: Rodney, a little while ago, I got a <laughs> new workout bike. Yes, a yeah. mix, which for the longest time I called a My X because it's like M Y and then the X is capitalized. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, and it, it is written I mean, as that, 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 that. Like in in real language,
1: like you you are correct, right? Like My but X, but it
0: was written all together.
1: So mm. Mix, and it's is a also brand, mixed. like so you can you can call it what you will
0: yes but they when the trainers get on the bike they're like hey for your mixed daily ride Mm. uh which i do enjoy i'm not a huge spinner i don't like like the techno beats in my in my eardrums when i go work out yeah the bike has been really nice uh yeah i mean i i listen
1: if if you're struggling to get into a fitness program a consistent one you want to lose some weight, you want to tone up, you want to whatever it might be. A stationary bike is a great, like, you can sit in front of the TV. Just you can sit in front of the TV, bike. you can take some of
0: these long, boring A conference calls that we got to be on. Yeah, uh, like, you don't have to be
1: bouncing up and down, you, you can put your live work on the bike. Just I love it. Highly, highly uh, recommended. Yep. Yep. I. Yep, I've yep. been
0: I've been just uh, conscripted <laughs> just, into parental duty, so yeah. I'm gonna cut this one short and say, get your bike. Get the your mix. Bike. the The mix is like a third or half. I don't remember the price of the Peloton, and it's it's like Peloton light. It's got like yeah. the big screen. I'm gonna give a full on commercial for it right now. Well, we're 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 a little long on this. Show. Nope, nope. We're gonna <laughs> fine. I'll next time. <laughs>
2: Coming Next
0: at you, they're <laughs> Next. gonna I'll wait because then I'll tell them it's coming and they can pay us
1: there you go Welcome back to the more in common podcast. I am one of your hosts Keith and I'm the other dude Rodney what's happening? I'm the other dude. I'm the guy playing the other dude. dude play the dude that looks like another dude. <laughs> well, listen, we're two. We we are two weeks past Thanksgiving. I hope everybody out there is at peace and in a good space as we approach the remainder of the year. And um, we're excited to bring another episode to you. We really are, Keith. That is true. And before we
3: talk about that amazing episode with Julian. I want to. I want to implore you to go out to moreincommon.pod.com pod, to check out all things more in common. You can learn. I mean, we got we consult. We got t-shirt. We got so much stuff. Just go out there. You'll find it all.
1: And uh, Keith, let's talk about this episode. Yeah, Julian Lewis. One of the big themes of this one is really going from the corporate world to pursuing a passion, getting, you know, starting your own business as he's building the amazing platform GiftPod, which you can go to at giveagiftpod.com. And, um, you know, we talk about a lot of things, his life, his experience, his parents, Um, and you know, we talk about just, just so much, um, of his journey. What did you take away from it?
3: Oh, man. Uh, his, the the way that he seems very calm with a very uncertainty of, of stepping away from a, a sure thing, a sure gig into this new endeavor that he's very passionate about. And it's very specifically, there's a thing that one of his friends slash mentors, whatever, like I, I'm not sure I would define them, said uh, no company can pay you what you're worth. And it's not to say that you can't or shouldn't work for a company. But if you have a thing, like, go for it. Because because don't let that paycheck hold you back because uh, you could probably do more on your own. So I, I took that as encouragement personally. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody else will. And I will say before we get into this, if you like this or any other conversation, share it maybe give us a like maybe give us a comment uh, that helps us grow in these algorithms of the day and get this word out there more and more because we are trying to anchor humanity and compassionate conversation we are anchoring humanity and compassionate conversation we're glad you're along with us those shares likes comments help let's get in enjoy today's hey. episode
2: Always known that I have their support. And for me, I can say that I'm self driven, but I'm self driven by the fact that I have a support system that's going to allow for me to do me. Um, And so, like, I'm going to try anything and everything. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll try the next thing. But, like, if there are people who don't fully appreciate who you are, forget about them and so i think that is where i was freshman year of college is probably that point where i was just like you know what it's about me and my people and that's it and so when i come into a job in a corporate environment uh, pinterest and any other ones i've been at like i bring that mindset and i don't care what people think
3: we're gonna take a little break here i want to tell you about something pretty amazing that we stumbled upon a little ways back we interviewed this amazing dude kwame bowen and he shared with me after the episode that his mother is a poet and what's awesome about that is that he has all of her writings and all her poems but what he doesn't have is her reading them that inspired keith and i to then start recording videos for our
1: daughters and As we started recording those videos, we started running into the challenges, the challenges of where are we going to send them to our daughters? How are we going to get them to them? Where are we going to save them? Is it going to be Google Drive? Is it going to be OneDrive? And then along came GiftPod. It's an audio memory that you can record and give as a private podcast. What they're going to do is edit, add music, and produce the audio that you provide them into a professional podcast that you can share with your family members for any purpose. We use it for our daughters in the future. All right, so check it out. In the write-up for this podcast, you're going to see a link
3: to GiftPod. If you use promo code MIC10, you're going to get a discount. And uh, leave some amazing memories for your friends, family, loved ones, maybe for yourself. Why why don't you time capsule this for yourself? I don't know. So
1: check them out. Giveagiftpod.com MIC10 promo code. Welcome back to the More In Common Podcast. I am your co-host, Keith, and with my man, Rodney. And today, we are with Julian A. Lewis II. He is a marketing practitioner, rocking a salesperson's fedora, in constant pursuit of his ikigai, which we have gone into extensive length with past guests, a Japanese term meaning purpose. He maximizes his time seeking ways he can make an impact beyond himself. He is currently retired from the corporate world, and he's focused on empowering others through audio as the co-founder of StudioPod, a podcasting production and media company. He's a recent husband, as in he just got married, and he's an adjunct professor elevating the next generation as he rises. Welcome to the show, Julian.
2: Thank you for having me. I love that addition to the bio. I'm going to throw that in there. (laughs)
1: Um, Try to make it a little personal, you know? Yeah. Let people know you. Um, So uh, to start this conversation, this is a question that is near and dear to both of our souls these days. Uh, You are, as you put it, a recent corporate retiree. And for the audience watching, you can tell he is not an old gentleman. And for those (laughs) listening, he is not an old gentleman. So he is not of retiring age. Um, So I mean, technically, you're in your prime earning years by Mm -hmm. typical standards, right? So you left a stable, well-paying gig at a reputable tech company. Mm -hmm. It's a path that a lot of people have a hard time following to pursue as you put their ikigai. Um, so my question is, as Rodney and I get closer and closer to this decision ourselves, what was that decision path like for you? How long did it take? And when did you ultimately make that decision that you were going to leap? And then how long did it take to actually leap?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, I mean, it's the decision path. It's, it's something I've always itched to do. Um, I just wasn't in the position financially um, to really do so. And, you know, to take a step back, like about three years ago, my uh, then girlfriend, um, now wife, you know, her and I had an opportunity to purchase the home that we live in today. Um, One of my close homies who I used to work with at Pinterest, um, he owned the house uh, and he hit me up one day and he's like, I'm moving to LA. And You know, I was I was out drinking when he had called and I was just like, you know, I'll hit you up with some recommendations later. And then Emily met up with me and and I started to tell her and she was like, wait, what are they doing with their house? Um, So their house sits on top of a hill in Albany, which is right next to Berkeley. And it has a bridge to bridge view of San Francisco. Not a huge house, you know, um, a little over a thousand square feet, but definitely a beautiful like starter home. You know, we talked to them and they're like, we need to rent it out first and then we want to sell it and so the the work that we had to do to lock down on our finance finances, not eat out, you know, even when we did eat out, not drink alcohol uh, because that like doubles the bill instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, we started to put in the work and build the muscle on what it meant to save. You know we reread you know Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover book via a recommendation from um, a, a couple friends that we have. And, you know, that really set us on the path as a couple to show that we could really do anything. And for me as an individual, like to be very transparent, you know, this is like three and a half years ago, I guess now I was in debt, you know, like I had a little bit of debt. Like I used to, before her, I was like, you know, I would spend, spend freely, you know, like, because I was like, I could always make this back. Um, So I'd always spend freely. So I was in a little bit of debt and, you know when we had that opportunity, I was like, I can't let this slip by. And so I built the muscle of being able to save and really being able to stack cash. And then, you know, you know, going back to the decision tree, I was like, man, like I can translate this muscle that I've built into something that will allow for me to get into a position where I can go out and do things on my own. You know, I've, I've sold CDs in high school. I sold massage balls in junior high. Um, you know i used to sell bow ties when i first moved from boston to san francisco like 6 years ago so i've 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 done a lot of different things to try to make money on the side but i've never had a a passion or a focus on trying to start my own thing like i have in the last couple of years and so when i coupled that with the building of the financial muscle i was like man i can actually do this so mm-hmm i would honestly say at the start of last year or like right before the new year i said to my then fiance i was like i want to take the leap no matter what i want to save this much so i can work for uh at least a year with not any pay um and if i can save this much i want to do it by this date and if i can hit that date like i want to do it and so at first, you know, she was hesitant because she wants to start a family just as much as I do, and like me not having a job is going to put us in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with her support, eventually, I actually had to make a spreadsheet to show like this is how much I spend a month, like this is how much I need to save, and this is what's going to allow that us to go. You made that spreadsheet? <laughs> yeah, you you have to make that spreadsheet. Um, and actually, I'm going to give a shout out to the this woman uh, Lessons from a Quitter. Um, is her podcast. I met her at um, Podcast Evolutions and, you know, she's the one who sent me the spreadsheet. So I'll, I'll be happy to share it with y'all um, if she's okay with it. But it allowed for me to have a plan. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's funny because like with the, um, you know, the pandemic that happened, um, it could have easily put a wrench in that plan. But in all reality, it actually put me in a better position. Um, a lot of people are not, as fortunate as I am. And I, I see my privilege in the fact that I was able to, you know, purchase a home. And I do want to be very clear that our parents did contribute to us purchasing that home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had to be like credit score wise in a good place and like financially in a good place to carry it forward. Um, but, you know, with, with that, like, we were able to, through the pandemic, excuse me, we were able to, not only was I able to work on my like on studio Pod on the side because I had more time, but I was also able to save money because we weren't going anywhere. We weren't mm-hmm. doing anything. Um, and I actually took a year off of drinking, which helped tremendously in the savings uh, bucket as well. And in the health department and Oh health. Yeah. hundred percent. I dropped 40 pounds, yeah. um, within 40 four pounds. months. Very. Um, I have like, probably like probably if I'm like the way I feel, I probably have like seven or eight of them back on right now. Yeah. Um, but that's just because I haven't been working out and I'm going to get back into that routine now that I have more time.
1: So, so you did, I mean that, so that was a three and a half year path. When did StudioPod become an idea? And at what point in that idea did you say, okay, this is a real walk away point. Like this is going to happen like what what was that process and yeah. then i want to dig into the attitude about it after that okay um but like what was the tactical function of that process for you in timeframes
2: yeah so um i'm listed as a co-founder of studio pod but StudioPod was a company when i uh discovered it i was at a uh pre-party for uh, outside lands which um awesome you know um uh, festival in san francisco is my first time going uh, first time for both both me and, uh, my now wife and, um, <laughs> like festivals are tough for me in general, but like sober at festivals with a bunch of like young kids, that was like really hard for me. But the highlight was the pre-party where I met TJ. Um, you know, we were just like chatting about like random things. I think we were chatting about hoops. We were chatting about just a bunch of different things. And then, you know, we got into the conversation of like, what do you do? And, you know, at the time he was working at Salesforce and I was obviously at Pinterest and, um, he was like, and I also have like a, a podcast studio in the mission. And I was like, oh, and I was like, tell me more about that. Because I have the couple collective, which is on hiatus right now, but I'm going to get back to uh, where I interview couples. And my biggest pain point was editing. Like I would spend my entire Sundays editing and my podcast was on learning how Fun. to be a better half in a couple. And I was spending my entire Sundays away from, you know, my, my now wife. And it's just like, man, this can't be a thing. And so I became a customer the minute he told me he had a studio because I think actually one thing that I definitely want to make sure is like very clear at the start of last year, actually on my birthday, probably two years ago, I said that I was going to spend $10,000 on myself. I was going to save it and then I was going to spend it on myself with no expectation of return. And so when I met TJ, I was like, Oh, I'm going to invest some of that 10,000 into like producing my podcast. So I don't have to do the work. The minute I walked into the studio, I, was, I looked around and I was like, huh. And it was like more of a community space with a studio. And I was like, okay. And I asked him that first day, I was like, do you have a business partner? And he said, no. I'm like, do you want a business partner? And he was like, uh, I've thought about it, but I think I'm gonna try to do it on my own. So I just started doing work for free. And I started doing work for free and he saw the value. And then he was just like, yeah, actually like let's make this into a partnership. And so that I think, Tactically, it was like I saw the vision of the company that he had started and I wanted to contribute to it. Now, I'll I'll be honest with you, like regardless of where the company is today, I would have left anyway because I would have, you know, wanted to spend my time and effort to try to build on what was going on. But we have been fortunate, you know, even through the pandemic to be able to win a lot of um, or a lot, a handful of new clients that allow for us to to you know, really start off on a, with good momentum.
1: That's awesome. Did, so you would have left anyway. Um, what was that like making that decision? So, and, and I, I, this is a very selfish question that we ask anybody who's made this leap. And of course, anybody that wants to get anything out of this question, like that mentality to just step away.
2: Mm -hmm. Shit's
1: hard. Like, yep. And to just take that leap, like what was that like for you?
2: Yeah, um, I I should have probably mentioned this earlier, but um, the person, the gentleman whose house I bought um, is a gentleman named Aaron Watkins, great dude, lives in L.A. now (laughs) because I live in his house. Um, And uh, when he left Pinterest, he showed me a paycheck uh, that he got from doing work outside of the company. Um, and the amount doesn't matter, but basically what he told me mattered. He told me that a company can never pay you what you're worth. And so when he said that, I was like, I get it. Right. And then I, I, I I got it. I thought I got it. But then, you know, when I then months later started to focus on the financial aspect of things, I was just like, huh. Like I right out of the gates won't make money, but in the long run I could make more than I'm making now Mm -hmm. and it's tough. I'm a, I'm, I'm a salesperson. And so like the the base plus commission, like that's going to be hard to match. It's going to take some time for that to happen. But I think when he said that to me, it, it made me truly understand that like companies can't pay you what you're worth. If they did, they'd be out of business. Right. Which is perfectly fine. And you can gain a lot of skills you know, from working at them and you yeah. meet a, great, a lot of great people that you could hopefully collaborate with in the future. And I'm very, very grateful for being able to b- work at a company like Pinterest because you know, I've learned a lot from some uh, really amazing people. But at the end of the day where my passion lies is well beyond the walls of, of Pinterest. And I needed to explore that. And StudioPod gave me, you know, the impetus to be like, Ooh, I like podcasting. it it aligns with media, which I've been doing my entire life, like media buying and planning and all that stuff. And I'm a professor of media buying and planning or adjunct professor, I should be very clear on that. Um, And it's like, man, this like really starts to tie in a lot of things when it goes back to like that icky guy, you know, and like, like what I can get paid to do, like what the world needs, like what I'm passionate about, you know, and so that really um, started to like hit a light bulb when I walked into Studio Pod in the Mission. I was just like, man, this could be the thing that I at least start with and then see where I go from there.
1: So walking away wasn't seemingly that hard.
2: Mm-mm. No, it's it's weird because this is day 5, so maybe I'll feel it later, <laughs> but even last week it, it didn't feel real. Um and the way I did it too is like I gave notice and then I went out for 2 weeks for my wedding and then I like came back and so like I had to transition a lot of things when I was going to be out anyway, and so I think it made it easy and like again amazing smart brilliant individuals at pinterest and so it's like they're going to be fine without me i mean yes i bring like a, a different cultural element to things when i when i'm in a in a room but like the company i'm i'm very confident will continue to do well and you know i'm i'm of course a shareholder and i'm not getting rid of those anytime soon um just because i really believe in the mission of of what the company's doing
3: um
2: i want to go back to something you said
3: around buying the house mhm um, talked about privilege and something Keith and I have a pen in to talk about more is economic privilege and just like where we are in life because mm-hmm. of corporations like Pinterest or Microsoft for us mm-hmm. um, you know I it, it was kind of a there was an eye-opening moment my wife said to me um, she was talking about one of her coworkers that like left is in the media world the agency okay. world like she left and bought this place and in a nice part of la and was going to grad school i was like how is she affording that she's like 10 years younger than us and i was like that is like just money just like yeah and she's like oh her parents are helping her and i was like oh and so like it started like really just thinking about the generational wealth thing and how it how it plays out down the road like how i mean just how a lot of different things are able to happen for certain people and then when we Mm -hmm. went to buy our first house, like our parents helped us, uh, with down payment and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. I going into it, I was like, I have to do this all on my own. I can't have any help. But the reality is like, that's what it's a lot of people get help. And that's what it's built for. Like, or it's a way to do it. Not everybody does, but it's a way to do it. And, um, I, I just, I like that you you called that out and that, you know, the the privilege in the moment and, uh, Mm-hmm. Did you have any struggle with that yourself or were you cool with it?
2: Um, no, I think I was cool with it. Um, so it's its the funny thing about it is uh, both Emily and I, we have older siblings and like both of our folks help them with their first places. And so it wasn't expected, but it was just like, okay, I see the value in this. And I also see that, you know, my goal is to help my parents out as much as I can in the future, right? Like, um, And I do see that the amount of effort that they put in to get to a point, because both of our, our parents, and, and I don't want to speak too much for, for Emily's parents, but both of our, our parents like, fought to get to where they are and fought to be able to save, to be able to help uh, their children to buy their first homes. Um, and so, you know, we're gratefully appreciative of that. And for me, it's just lit a fire of like, okay, we got this now and like, let us continue to do this so we can be in a position to help our children or help you as you know, you're aging, but then also help our children in the same way that, you know, they're helping their parents, uh, and help, being able to help us at the same time.
1: Yeah. So there's a interesting um, I, I, I would make a, I always like to make comments on privilege, um, yeah. in that like we all have it in some fashion. And I think it's important to discuss, to understand that when privilege comes up, it's not just one thing over the other and that nobody does it th- themselves. And anybody who does like literally was born and thrown on a street and then made to survive as a baby, um, <laughs> which doesn't happen. Like some of us just have a step forward and a leg forward, whether it's one, two, or a hundred and so many variables and factors play into it and race is a huge factor, but even that isn't the only factor. And I think we get so caught up in certain things to recognize our own privileges is important because then it helps us understand where other people are falling. or aren't able to do the same things that me as a white male who was able to have financial stability because of my parents and all of that other stuff that my grandfather built my mom's house for free. And, you know, all she had to do was pay for labor, right. Um, made all of that stuff plays a role into setting you up where you are. And anybody who says I did it all on my own, it's like, okay, (laughs) have a nice day. Um, so I make those comments, um, specifically to ask a question about something else. Mm -hmm. And that is your relationship with money. So the relationship with money is a funny thing though, because you called yourself a spender. You had to learn how to save and transition into this. So what, what was your original relationship with money that forced you to make that pivot and how hard was it for you to make that pivot?
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was like just careless, um, to be honest with you. Um, And I I just remember even when I graduated college, I, so let's take a step back, right? So like I, I did work in college, but I didn't necessarily have to. I'd worked because to pay for extracurriculars, but I didn't have to work to pay for college, which I think didn't necessarily help. Like I was very fortunate that my parents and my grandmother, she helped see, they paid for college. I didn't have, I had zero dollars of debt when I walked out of college. And so my relationship with money was very careless. Like I would go out to a bar and be like, Oh, drinks on me. You know what I mean? And it's just like, for no reason, you know? And it wasn't because I needed the friendships. I just like, was like a happy person and like, would just like, like spend, you know? And, you know, I felt comfortable like walking a fine line between living paycheck to paycheck, because like if I, if I, if the word, something bad happened, I knew that I could always fall back and go live with my parents. You know what I mean? Like knowing that I had that safety net, I was just like careless, you know? And, and it wasn't the right mindset to have, you know, like I, I'm not necessarily like a, a big shopper on like clothes and things like that. Although I do enjoy fashion.
1: Though you but look just, good right
2: like, now. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but like I, you know like with with going out and like you know a lot of it was on like entertainment more so than anything. it wasn't necessarily on like items, excuse me, it was more on entertainment, it was more on like um even lifestyle, like you know living in Santa Monica, then moving to Boston and then living by myself in Boston for a period of time like I wanted to be in a place where I felt comfortable and it was nice. And so like I was willing to pay a little bit more in rent, but then also wanted to go out to bars, wanted to go out and watch sporting events and do different things. And so it was just very careless um, and carefree. Um, and going back to like going out and eating, you know, like instead of like having a glass of wine, it'd be a bottle of wine. And there's no reason for big celebration. I get it. Do that. But like, If you break down like the cost of a a bottle of wine at BevMo, when they have like buy a bottle, get five cents, you know, uh, Uh, versus like like, buying at a restaurant, it's just like, man, like what am I doing? And it wasn't until we had an opportunity to buy the house that I changed that mindset. Um, And so I honestly don't know where I would be sitting today, not physically, but like, you know, where we live if I didn't have that opportunity to buy the house because we'd still be living in san francisco um, and we might be still spending carelessly because it's just like there's not necessarily something that we need to grab and i needed that i needed something ahead of me to be like okay you need to work towards that and in order to do so you need to stop spending like this and for me it's honestly oftentimes just a light switch it's just like okay stop doing this and then go do this and and that's where it goes to like drinking like i um you know i drank probably too often um i didn't have necessarily a drinking problem but like come home from work have a drink you know have two have three and then go to bed you know and it was just like one of those things where you know emily is like the most supportive human to me, um, ever beyond like my folks, of course. And, uh, you know, she would say like, Oh, like, do you really need to have a drink? But like, not in a way that like made me feel some type of way. It was just like, Hey, I kind of want one, you know, so I'm gonna have one. And then, but I told her, I was like, in order for me to like get into shape and to get into like, like where I want to be, like, I have to do it on my own. And I remember I was, I had a business trip in LA and I was, um, flying back to the Bay and, my parents were, I think, flying in that day, and we were going to be hanging out with uh, M's parents as well. And I got to the airport early to try to catch an earlier fight, but I wasn't able to get that earlier flight. So I sat down at the bar, and I had a drink. So my drink is the is a Mezcal Negroni, which is phenomenal if you've never had it. And I have not had it, and it was awful. Um, and it, it, it was awful tasting, but it also was awful feeling in the sense of man, I did not need this. And from that moment, I stopped drinking. And I was like, okay, let's just take a month off. And then I hit a month, then I hit three. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, I am so much more productive because not drinking has allowed me so much more time because I can go out and then come home and get work done. And do stuff. Yeah. And do stuff. And I can wake up early and get back on it without feeling groggy or anything like that and so when i had that realization i was just like i'm trying to do the studio pod thing i'm trying to work towards the school like i'm just going to see how long i can go and and i'll be honest with you like if my wedding wasn't a few weeks ago i probably still wouldn't have had a drink but i wanted to have one with my boys at my bachelor party that i thought i was going to have which i ended up not having and so i started drinking a little bit to build up a tolerance. Um, and then, so I've been drinking now for the last couple months, but at some point I'll probably flip the switch again and be like, I don't necessarily need this in my life. It's just something I did to be social and to have fun. But like, I've had just as much, if not more fun, not drinking.
3: It's funny. I just,
2: uh,
3: I think I, what did I go? Nine months, eight months. I don't know. Uh, at the beginning of this year, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do 90 days. Like why yeah. not? And then got to day 91 and it's like,
2: ah, like
3: let's keep it rolling. Like, at that point it was in the, in the, in the, the we're in COVID, like COVID had yeah. just started. And I was like, ah, like, I don't know. Like I'm sleeping better. Yeah. I don't get a lot of sleep because of kids anyway. I'm just going to let it ride. And I mean, I felt great. So I just kept it rolling. And then I eventually had some wine with wifey, which was actually a cool experience. But, mm-hmm. um, I, all the things you said, I echo, um, something back real quick on the college thing
1: and actually keep yeah. did a year yeah no, no last, last year it was last year it's funny so a lot of what you say and then rodney you go to your question um i think it's a a cool conversation and first of all congratulations on losing 40 pounds um kind of i think we brushed over that uh a year and a half ago so at the beginning of 2019 i was just it, it was we were doing some podcasting and we weren't where we are today and i went out and this is actually end of 2018 and we i went out with my brother-in-law on a friday it's friday afternoon got there and we were having lunch and i had like two beers and i got home and i had a bunch of stuff to do for for things and i was just thinking yeah i'm not gonna do it right and there's just there's just no energy for it my mind was cloudy and I was just like wow I had already made the decision that in 2019 I was probably gonna I was gonna give up the year because I'd given up a month and it just didn't go in it was really for physical and health benefits so I said in that moment this was like in December beginning of December I'm done I'm not gonna drink and then over the course of the year I didn't drink Um, other than maybe like five times special occasions bachelor parties weddings and there were only five five things And now I can have a drink, maybe two, and I don't get the same effect the next day. It is, it is entirely just an enjoyment of the, of the, the taste, maybe the buzz, but I don't need any more than that. It's a social thing. And I just, my relationship with it is entirely different. And, um, it was, it was the best decision I ever made was just giving it up for a year. Um, well, not the best decision ever, but
3: it was definitely. a great- I read an article sometime. It was like nothing happened. Nothing good happens after two drinks. It was like yeah, was pretty like, yeah, accurate. But, yeah. <laughs> like, I can't think of any like yeah groundbreaking revelations I had after two drinks.
2: Um, on a Although I thing, will say, yeah, sorry, go. I will say though that I was yeah, I almost missed up on the opportunity of the house because of how drunk I was. Even thinking about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. 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 My sober like now wifey. Uh, which I call her Wi-Fi because she called me Fifi for our entire time we were fiance yeah, you internet, which was a long time, and I was so angry about it that I'm like, I'm calling you Wi-Fi for the rest of your life. Um, but but, yeah, like in that moment, like I was more than two, and she was completely sober meeting up with us. And like she was had the idea of like, wait, what about the house, Julian? Um so yeah, sorry nah, nah, cool. your question nah, the money <laughs> thing, the money thing in college is interesting. So like
3: you didn't have to worry about money in college. You did work. Mm-hmm. you didn't have to. I did work study and had loans and had to pay for it and worked like the whole time, but mm-hmm. was also
1: careless of money.
3: So I don't know that it. So the correlation, there's another, there's, a, there's some other correlation there. Yeah.
1: That, I think that leads into because there's a reason I asked this question because of Rodney and my polar opposite experience growing up with what money is. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I'm curious that ties directly into like your, your parents, you're, you're the youngest. How did they display or treat money that you ultimately learned? You may have become careless with it, but to flip that switch, that's, that's a different story, especially when it comes to money.
2: Yeah. I mean, I felt like in all reality, they were like really good models for it, but I just wasn't paying attention to it as much. So like my... Right. What's
1: that? I said consciously, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean my my pops like had cash only. Like literally took out a certain amount every week. And if he didn't have it at the end of the week, that was it. But if he had it, then it carry over to the next week. Um and you know, with with also like even when it comes to purchasing vehicles, like my apparently has like way too many cars for the amount of people in the house, but My dad dad did not buy his first car until – sorry, his first brand-new car until uh, I want to say 10 years ago. And so he was 50. And he did – he and my mom had bought new cars for my mom, but never for him. Um, And he always tried to find a used car – Cadillac always uh, (laughs) – always tried to find a used car – um and uh good quality car like good condition but like that mindset i think kind of resonated with with me as as well um now not then um and then you know you know my mom my mom does enjoy like she does have like an amazon box that shows up to the house every day which is kind of like oh, a family joke box <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> kind of like a, a family joke and so she's she's probably more like carefree with it but Like anytime I needed money, I could ask them for it. Hmm. I'd get pushback, but I could ask them for it. And so that's where I was not only being careless with my money, potentially, like I was being careless with theirs because if I got into trouble that I would need them to bail me out. And so Hmm. like, I I think like I I just very selfish in the way in which I was like, like thinking about that and and like handling that and just not really um, just being smart with it. I get that yeah um how many siblings do you have? Just one older sister, oh, okay. eighteen months older in age, but one year in school? okay,
1: what's your relationship like with your sister? Is it good
2: yeah we're much much closer now um you know growing up we we just did our things we just did things separately um, we both played sports um and my dad coaches in our sports, and so like the that side of things I felt like we were closest on, but then like when it came to a lot of other things, we just weren't. Um, but as we grew older, we definitely became a lot closer. Um, she, in fact, moved up to Oakland, I want to say a little over three years ago. And then, um, recently in the past six months, uh, we went in on an investment property together in Sacramento,
1: um,
2: without the help of our folks. Um, but we're in that position because of the previous help from our folks. Mm -hmm. Um, but we went out like a duplex and so she lives on one side and there's renters on the other side that's dope that's that generational yeah. thing that's, that's yeah that's cool. exactly and and that's you know like it, it's funny because like going back to to pinterest when i talk about all the brilliant people that i work with you know again the gentleman who house i bought who showed me that paycheck like he and i and one other person started blackboard which is uh the employee resource group there and through that group you know there's so many brilliant people one woman i want to shout out is ayanna miller and she did a presentation on generational wealth and all the the investment properties that her and her husband have invested in, plus like a, a food chain that they're they have like a, a couple, at least one and opening up a second one shops. And that, again, was just like, man, like there's one thing to stack wealth for to help my parents and to help my children get to through college. But there's a whole other thing to try to do it for generations to come. And so I think seeing that as an opportunity and having a better understanding of you know where black americans are because of the restrictions and not having other types of privilege to be able to own property it's just like okay i want to focus on this now and my sister and i had a conversation and she was like yeah i'm, I'm all about that like let's partner on something together I thought it was going to be like two years from now when I'm like hopefully making money at, at StudioPod. And she was just like, no, there's a property in Sacramento. Let's do it. And I was just like, OK. <laughs> and so, you know, and like that, that was a little bit of a step back when it came to like my time plan for like savings. But it was just like this is a great opportunity and she's going to be able to live there. And so like it's like I, I can pass this up. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're much tighter now when it comes to that. Sorry, what was
3: that? You were able to do that. You were able to step yeah. out and do that. And to Keith's earlier question, that made your walking away easier. Cause you're like, yeah, yeah. I got the money. Like I plan for this. Like, it's yeah. not, the generational thing, man, that's like, you hit so many things on the head there from property, land, mm-hmm. uh, education. Uh, the one of the, I think the biggest one that a lot of people just don't talk about. I think a lot of people don't know about is the GI bill. Um, that set, that set black Americans back real far compared comparative to their white contemporaries post-World mm-hmm. War II um, from educate, like just having the education and then the wages to enable purchase of, of homes and land. Like that, that is a huge, huge thing, but good on you, man. That's dope that you and your sister were able to, to do that. And hopefully you get to continue. That's, that's cool.
2: Yeah. And and that's a plan. But I think also like she's 30 seven turning 38 in march i'm 36 and um you know we're gonna have to pause on it a little bit like she her first place is a loft in downtown la um and she had a renter for three years and now somebody just moved out and so like we have to be like cautious about our next move especially with me not having a job but i think we are in a position to pause and then continue knowing that we're still relatively not relatively, we were still really young and we still have a lot of time to stack, save and purchase, and yeah. then have that for future generations to come. There's um, an
1: interesting, like that, that willingness to spend and save it. It's, it comes in handy when you're starting your own business. This is, mm-hmm. you know, where I struggle, like I am a hoarder of money. <laughs> and so <laughs> spending, it to invest in the future and thinking long-term and doing that stuff. It's really, really hard for me to do. Yeah. And that's just like ingrained. And, I mean, and so many levels, like I can call out examples, um, in my life, many of them that, that has ingrained that mentality. That's going to, that's, that's my biggest, biggest shift in mentality, which leads me to, to, um, there's another thread for entrepreneurs in particular, people who are willing to take a leap like you did. It's belief. You alluded to it. Um, what was it like growing up in your house as a kid?
2: I mean, I, I feel like my, it's, it's funny because like when I come back home, we didn't have this as a kid, but when I come back home, um, I, first of all, my dad has way too many hats, but when you walk in and you go towards the kitchen, there's like this chalkboard, a, below a bunch of hats, like golf hats and stuff. And there's this chalkboard. And every time I come home now, there's a different quote on it. Um, And, you know, my dad was our coach growing up. And my mom was a, um, she worked two jobs in the beginning where she worked at two different hospitals as a nurse and then still did PTA and team mom and all those things. And, you know, my dad, he didn't go directly to college. He went Uh, from high school to work at Lockheed, where he worked for like 30 some odd years, but he then went back, got his his bachelor and then multiple, I think he says three, masters. Um, And, you know, growing up in my household, the support and them always being present and always basically telling my sister and I that we could do anything um, helped tremendously. Um, There's absolutely no question about that. And I've always had Confidence, specifically in sports, but like always had confidence that I could literally do anything. Um, and you know, even when we graduated, it's funny because my my sister works in in healthcare, uh, but more on like the business side. And then um, you know, I've worked in advertising and media, and my dad as an engineer. I remember when we both graduated, two thousand six for me, five for my sister. I think my diploma says seven, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but when we graduated, my dad's like, oh, (laughs) my dad's like, you guys should make a hundred K out of the gates. I made 35 coming out of college. Like, I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Yeah. you should make this much. And it's like, cause he's an engineer. I'm like, I'm not an engineer. I'm not going to make that much. But, and, and, you know, I lived in LA after school and that's where I had my first job, but then I moved to Boston for four years. And, you know, the support that they had for me to go to school out of state, and then to like not allow for me but like support me to move to boston and then when i move back to the bay the support that they've had is just like you know they might challenge me on a decision that i make but they're always like you know at the end of the day we know that you're going to come out on top and it's funny like the conversation i had with my dad about leaving pinterest um, at the beginning of this year he's like "Mm, why don't you wait until what did he say like 2022 and i was just like why like what wh- what's going to happen like then he's like oh well you can do this this and that and i was like dad i'm leaving this year <laughs> like it's going to happen and like you know like he's been they've both been tremendously supportive you know with studio pod like okay like who can we tell about this like how can we get involved and then yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, we we haven't talked much about GiftPod, but like the kind of the more consumer product that we're developing, you know, where people can record audio memories and send them in the form of a private podcast. Mm -hmm. Like with that too, it's like, they're like, okay, like, who can we tell? Like, who can we like, like sell this through to? And like having that support is like tremendous. Like I, 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 like I have always known that I have their support. And for me, I can say that I'm self-driven, but I'm, self-driven by the fact that i have a support system that's going to allow for me to do me um and so like i'm going to try anything and everything and if it works great if it doesn't i'll try the next thing
3: yeah it's dope i mean you got a base right you got your you got your foundation especially you, you from a sales engine standpoint like they're behind you like hey yeah get this in somebody's hands that's
1: funny that he it was like 2022 just arbitrary like uh
2: yeah, screw out a number <laughs> because you, know, you,
1: like, you know in 2022 it's going to be 2024 and then yeah. it's going to keep going yeah exactly that's just the way that works no yeah. i think um that that i i find it to be an incredibly important thing to always reiterate now especially for people who have kids and other things like there's this weird um, realism that goes into the, uh, the concept of you can do anything. Um, there, there's a caveat to say you can do anything if you work hard enough at it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but we put constraints on people and say, ah, well, may, yeah, maybe I'm not going to be this, but you can work hard at it and you can, you can strive for it and go for it. And when you have belief behind you, especially at a developmental age by your parents, it has lasting impact versus when you have doubt. This, there's doubt? probably oh. actually more caveats
3: than if you work hard enough at it. Cause you can work hard and never get to the NFL. Totally, um, there, There's a confluence of opportunity and preparation. I think that I like to refer to as luck that definitely plays in like, but that belief structure sets you up to, I think, we the one,
2: I, I do want to add one more thing just yeah. on that belief. Uh, um, yeah. you know, even with sports, like a lot of things were sports related and, and, you know, like my family and I, I don't know if y'all have seen on Netflix, um, the playbook, um, but it's a spring Hill entertainment, um, which is LeBron James, Mav Carter, uh, which anything LeBron James I'm, I'm on, I'm following.
1: You will, my, my wife will love this episode.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh um, The playbook is like where they basically interview coaches um, who have faced different things or who have coached some phenomenal athletes. So the first episode is Doc Rivers and they talk about the Donald Sterling thing, but then they also talk about um, the 2008 Celtics. And then the second one is Jill Ellis, uh, the U S women's national soccer coach and talks about like what she did to get them to where they are, even though they were doing well, they had a bad moment and how to get them back on track. And so like those are, that's the type of content that my family watches and enjoys. And, you know, as we're watching it, my dad on the notes, writing things down, I'm mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Or maybe he didn't have his phone. And he's like, send me those. The next day he's like, Julian, when are you gonna send me those things? And I think that's just like that motivation. And I think, you know, one quote that my dad said that I credit him for, and he can then credit whoever actually said it, but um, it was, uh, so there's a saying, practice makes perfect. And he would always tell us, perfect practice makes mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Um, And then I don't remember exactly when it was, but he introduced the word complacency to me, um, and what it meant to be complacent. And, you know, I'll never forget that. And I'm like, I never want to be complacent. And those are things that when I was managing a team at Pinterest, I would open my quarterly decks with shots of like, uh, famous sporting teams. And it's funny because your wife will absolutely love this. Um, if she's a LeBron James fan, but like, um, in one of my decks, I think, so I had the Golden State Warriors, I had the Women's U.S. National Team, and then I had um, LeBron James High School Team, um, just to, like, show, like, teams that work well together and strive towards a common goal. Um, and so, you know, having that, instilled, that belief instilled in me, I think was, um, you know, gave me a lot of confidence um, that I could really do anything. And it also instilled in me that, like, I need to figure out ways that I can try to give back or coach or teach or do whatever I can.
3: And Keith, I, you know, I, I was thinking about the comment. Um, I think like that belief that you can do anything and like hard work is, I think hard work is the, in, the entry point. Like you gotta, mm-hmm. well, actually the entry point is the belief. And then the hard work is like the access and, uh, you gotta, I mean, you gotta start somewhere, right? You gotta start there like, you, you're not going to get in if you don't do the work.
1: Uh, belief i think it's just so that it's like to believe in somebody and have someone believe in you especially at an early age is so powerful it's, because uh, how do you everything. access that as a kid and you learn to access that as adult based on it, like without going too much depth for my my experience it i never i cannot point back to I mean my mom believed in me, but I can't point back to all the things that you did. I know she believed in me, but I also grew up in a skeptical household, a- re- like yeah, you can do anything you want, but right like so once you introduce buts and and maybes and hmm, alternatives. It's like, that's where, that's where the doubt starts to creep in. It's not, mm-hmm. that, that's where belief, it's like, I know you're telling me you believe in me, but like, is it, is it something I should actually believe in? And, yeah. um, you know, it, no matter what, I think we can all pass that on to somebody and just believe in them unequivocally, regardless of results, outcomes, outputs. Yeah. It's like, cause you, you'll find it at some point. Like, I mean, you know, it, it might not happen tomorrow, but at some point, that's going to, there's going to be a trigger and it seeds these ideas that, that eventually will grow.
2: Right. Yeah. And two, two other things I want to highlight about that, like belief that my parents had in me and like they, like that word, I think I talked a little bit about like, you know, how they worked multiple jobs or like when they got their degrees and all those things. But you know, when it came to school, it was typically my mom on like the English side, my dad more on the math and science side, but like, I couldn't I if I had a a writing assignment I couldn't just do it and turn it in like I did it and it got redlined like crazy Hmm. and then I had to redo it and then it got redlined and I had to redo it and then I could turn it in um and that's because like they wanted to instill in us that like you can't just like do something to do it like you have to like put everything into it um and so also like when it came to like you know competition and sport like my dad would play me one-on-one and homie was not going to like just let me win <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like like was definitely was not gonna let me win and like i remember in college we had i was uh, maybe a sophomore and i was like lifting like crazy like i wasn't lifting for any particular reason but i was getting strong and i came home and i was like my chest was puffed out and i was like we're gonna have a competition squat bench and then we we're gonna race. So we go to the the, the gym here in in uh, our hometown. And so if that was college, my dad was probably let's see, I graduated in '06, so that was some time ago, like 14 years ago. So my dad was like like 46, let's say, crushed me, absolutely crushed me on bench, crushed me on squats. Like squats weren't even close. And we raced. Um And that's where I got him because he pulled up with a hammy. But like <laughs> that hey. level of competition and like you, you're not just going to be handed this yeah. Like, like, yeah, we believe that you can do whatever. But like you have to put in that work to prove that you can you can achieve these things.
3: Yeah, much- that's funny. So, uh, Man, you're just saying that I'm thinking of my dad. I had a realization a couple of years back that like, my dad used to always win everything. And I'm like and we were playing basketball. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember I used to beat you. I was like, no, no, no. I remember you used to change the rules. <laughs> 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 That's, and That's a cool. moving target. So I'm good at dynamic situations. Yes, <laughs> yes, I like it.
1: Um, so you know, just watching the time because there, I, I want to talk a bit about gift gift pods. Yeah, as we, as yeah we, I had
3: an idea uh, for that earlier.
1: Um, um, okay, but there's it. something that you said earlier that I wanted to um, touch on is you talked about your time at Pinterest that you bring a different cultural element at Pinterest. what do you mean by that?
2: So it's not just Pinterest. I think it's everywhere. Like I've, I've been one of a few people that look like me um, when I've stepped into pretty much every company that I've, I've worked at. Um, And so like that alone is like, like step one in terms of, of what I, what I bring. But I also like, I don't know when, what moment it was where, I stopped caring what other people think about me and I started focusing on what was important to get the job done and not to say that. Sorry, real quick. If
3: you don't remember the moment, do you have an idea of the time, like the age or the year?
2: Maybe, maybe I, maybe probably freshman year of college. And I guess it was probably tied to, it was a combination of senior year of high school and freshman year of college, senior year of high school. I think for the first time, like I was friends with a lot of different people, like, you know, people ate in pockets outside, like, cause I grew up in Southern California and like outside in pockets. And like, I would travel to different pockets or eat in different pockets, you know, throughout the week, uh, just cause I was friendly with everybody. And I remember going for student body president. So I was class president from sixth grade through 12th grade. And I was going for student body president in 12th grade and I got, I started to get like a level of scrutiny about like, Oh, like, you know, he has football and basketball. He's not gonna have time for this. Or like, Oh, he always is this, like he shouldn't get this. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, and like starting to feel like almost like hatred towards the success I had had. I was just like, that's not cool. And in high school that hit me in a hard way. Like it was like, that sucked, you know? And then I went away to school to Colorado and nobody came with me. Like I went by myself, Uh, my best friend who was supposed to be my best man at my wedding. uh, We had a nine person wedding, so he couldn't go. Mm. Uh, He actually introduced me to the university of Colorado through family and he was supposed to go there. Didn't end up going. But when I was there, there were certain people that I was really close to in high school that when I wasn't present in California and around that, they easily lost touch. And I was just like, what? Like, that's weird, you know? And I, and I felt in a way used in certain situations and I was just like, I hate this. So I got angry. I got angry. And like, as I remember, as I told you a little moment, a few moments ago, I was lifting a lot. So like, the, the lifting and the anger, I came home one day and my mom said to my sister, is your brother on steroids? Just because it was like a <laughs> weird combination of steroid things. Rage? I, I know. Right. I definitely was not on steroids. So I'll be very clear on that. Um, but oh, I was natural. just like, I was just like angry. And then I realized, like, Julian, what? Like, that's not you. Don't be angry. Like, you know what I mean? But realize that, like, you need to focus on people who are uplifting and start to build a tribe. And, like, that tribe has transformed over time. But, like, if there are people who don't fully appreciate who you are, forget about them. And so I think that is where I was freshman year of college is probably that point where I was just like, you know what? It's about me and my people. And that's it and so when i come into a job in a corporate environment um pinterest and any other ones i've been at like i bring that mindset and i don't care what people think i also am not driven by money or i would always say that which is kind of goes back to what we're talking before and it was more because like i just want to be me and i want to be successful but success to me isn't necessarily dollars which now has transformed because of my focus on generational wealth It's more about that than it is about the dollar amount. But when it talks about the cultural elements that I bring, like I'll be in a meeting and I'll be sitting there and there'll be a lot of people at any company I've worked at where somebody will say something and then five people agree. And I'm like, what? Like, and I would say something different. And like, you know, I think that's the element of like, a culture that I bring that's different is just like you know what like maybe it's the background maybe it's something else but it's just like if I truly do not agree I am going to tell you that I don't agree I am going to push back I am going to like be loud and vocal but I'm not going to say something right away I'm going to be in the meeting and people talk, told me this all the time like why are you always doodling I'll be in the meeting I'll be doodling listening listening to what people are saying just doodling and then when it comes to the right time, then I'll speak up and I would have processed everything I heard. And then I try to give a response that is thoughtful with a solution to why I don't agree. I don't agree, but have you thought about it this way versus just like saying, Oh, no, that sucks. You know? And some people do that. And it's just like, I'm just like, I try to be like very thoughtful. And I also like when managing a team, I'm all about my people i have adapted to the seven different people that i've uh managed at a time because like i don't want them to do things exactly the way i do them because i wouldn't want somebody to tell me what to do and so instead like i try to find ways to make them better through their skills that they have and areas of opportunity that they want to grow from and so i guess that's what i mean when i like a different kind of mindset um, and I, am also realizing that like my dad was an engineer, my mom's a nurse, like I'm not doing anything in terms of like rocket science. Like, yes, I'm helping people at Pinterest to like, you know, c- like be off those toxic platforms and create a life that they love by like finding and discovering new ideas, but I'm not necessarily doing brain surgery or things like that. And like, I also realize that and kind of try to use that and. Like focus my team on what's actually really important, and it's sort of like mental health, which we haven't talked about mental health at all. But I think that's like that's strongly a part of it. Like therapy all day, every day—not every day, but you get the point. Like I do therapy once every other week, all day, uh, (laughs) every every day. You're interrupting one of my sessions (laughs) right now. Um, But no, like just like the mental health aspect of realizing what we're doing and the function of what we're doing and how important it is in the grander scheme of things like helps me to realize that like I'm not going to have highs and lows like a lot of people do. And I've gotten negative feedback at uh, an advertising agency that I worked at where like somebody said it was a peer review. It wasn't like a manager. It was a peer review where they said like when times are tough, like Julian always has a smile on his face and it's distracting because some people are like crying and doing all these other things. And I said to my manager who read that to me, I was like, did you filter this out before you brought it to me? And he was just like, no. And I was just like, that's a problem because you have to understand like what you're telling me by saying this, like, I can't be level headed when people are like this. And it's just like, that's just like my approach. Like I'm always going to be even keeled because it's like, at the end of the day, we're not saving lives. And at the end of the day, like I have my people, I have my purpose, or my purpose I'm trying to discover, and this isn't going to change that. Mm. So, well,
3: um, real quick on the mental health thing, because it's something we love to talk about. Yeah, what's your framework for that? Is that is that also for, from your family? Like, were you in therapy? Like, did you, did you did you experience therapy growing up, or what's your framework?
2: No, I mean, I. I I'm always open to like experiment and try new things. And when I, my first experience with it was through Talkspace, Like, so the mobile one where you're just like texting with somebody, uh-huh. um, and you know, somebody, somebody, maybe I saw a commercial or something. Um, and like, I was like, I'm going through a lot. I was actually, I was in, I think I was in Boston and I, then I just moved to San Francisco and I was like going through a lot. And I was just like, I need an outlet to express myself to people that don't know me and I don't know what that is. And then I discovered talk space and I was just doing the mobile text therapy, which in a relationship that didn't last, like I was told that that wasn't the right way to do therapy. And I'm like, wait, what is the right way to do therapy? Uh, But it helped me to realize that I needed to focus on my mental health as much as any other aspect of health, because if, if my head's in a good place, like then everything else is, is, is there as well yep
1: um yeah i mean and (laughs) i I like the way you frame it because when you talk about the different cultural element at pinterest i really want to sum up what you said or what i heard you say, and correct me if i'm wrong but there is a yes i am one of few um black faces in most work environments that i have but that's not the element that i necessarily bring is I literally think differently than everybody else in the room. And like all of the details at which you painted is different than most people in the room. Right. And in that it drives, it's painted by many of my experiences and that includes, you know, um, being a black male, but at the same time, like, I, I like the way you framed that um, because I think it's important. Like, that that confidence and knowledge of what elements you bring to the table, like that's amazing. I think that's just so cool that that you're able to call that out.
2: And I was, I mean, I think the self-realization of who I am through my parents early on really helped me to, to have a good idea of who I am. Now it's an evolving, Mm -hmm. evolving or revolving door, however you want to say it. Like, and so I'm, I'm continuing to learn more and more about myself and I'm, Continuing to seek ways to learn more and more about myself. But I know that in a lot of cases, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I try to be the most thoughtful. And I try to be the most thoughtful through listening and through looking beyond what other people are thinking about a particular situation and trying to bring that empathy with it. And there's plenty of empathetic people that I've worked with. At Pinterest and other places as well, um, but I think that combination makes me feel different and makes me know that I'm thinking differently than others. Um, not better necessarily, <laughs> thinking better than others, but just thinking differently. I also realized that, like when building Studio Pod, I said to TJ before I signed uh, the paper that I was going to be a co-founder and, and gave my portion of the money to invest in the company that I. I want to make sure that when we're building this company, we are focused from day one on having diverse minds and backgrounds in the company, because I don't want to ever be in an echo chamber. Um, and I've found myself in an echo chamber where other people were echoing themselves. I'm just like, man, I just don't fit in this. And so when TJ said like, yeah, no question. Um, I was like, okay, like this is the dude that I'm going to partner with to, to make this happen.
3: I wrote down a little while ago, there's a podcast I'm going to send you. Oh, you may have already heard it. It's a master's of scale yeah. um, episode by uh, about the Netflix culture deck and first order thinkers and hiring, hiring to have people that, that are thinkers. And it's, it's actually a skill and something you have to intentionally do. Mm-hmm. You can't you, like, if you just assume you're going to do it, you'll end up in an echo chamber or in a, in a group that just is homogenous.
1: And-, mm. and it's really easy. I think one of the, the under-discussed components of diversity and inclusion in particular is it's really easy to echo other people who look like you, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, we, we talk a lot in our consulting press practice you know about diversity and and inclusion and like there is an opportunity to bring cognitive diversity through experiential diversity with intention to uncover what julian is bringing to the table not oh oh, he's a black guy that's ira Mm -hmm. right and then you get value out of that you you drive and that's where the the that's where that comes from. And we, there's so many broken components of the way of practiced right now. Um, and I think we can get so far into this, um, especially there are other notes that I wanna ask about, but with eight minutes to go, um, tell us about GiftPod.
2: Yeah, so to say it simply, it's, you know, an audio memory um, that you can record and will produce, add music. Beautify, and then you can give it in the form of a a private podcast, so you can listen to it on a private web listening experience or via our app. And you know, the impetus for that, you know, TJ and I, being that we have a company in Studio Pod where we really focus on empowering through audio, like allowing for voices that aren't normally heard to be heard. That's kind of like the focus of the company, and like where on that side we focus on podcasting and helping brands and individuals launch podcasts. We're like there's more here it's this is an audio medium like there's like the power in like somebody's voice to be heard and shared with like a loved one um and it was around the holidays where we were chatting and you know um we were talking about like different ways we can think to innovate in audio not just do the podcasting thing but innovate in audio and um, not to say that this is necessarily innovation but like we stumbled upon the idea of like memories and you know tj unfortunately lost his father when he was young, um, to rare, to rare disease of sorts, which he honestly doesn't even know a lot about. And he's like on a path to like, try to understand that. And we're like, man, like it would have been so cool for him to be able to have his dad's voice recorded on an app that he can listen to. And, you know, the more and more people I've talked to, um, and it's, it's typically on like the grimmer side of things where it's like, you know, I lost somebody and, and they like, like had a voice message. And so I was like, I tried to hold on to this voice message or they recorded something cause they knew they were going to pass on like a cassette tape. And it's just like, man, like I want to be able to capture those memories for people to give to a loved one. And not everybody is comfortable, you know, writing a letter, Um, people are getting more and more comfortable with being on camera and doing those things with video, but you know, a piece of paper can easily get lost. You know, a a video, I guess that could be easily discoverable, but that holds a lot of weight like physically or like literally because it's just a heavy file, but it's like, and there's something to be said about like letting your guard down when you're just like talking into a microphone or into your phone or into whatever recording device and just really expressing like, how you feel. And, and I'll be very honest, like, and I'm not gonna share this beyond the group that I shared it with, but I, um, I recorded a gift pod for uh, people that I encountered at Pinterest. Um, and it was like 15 minutes, and I was sitting in this very chair that I'm in right now, and I just started speaking about how grateful I was for my experience there and like how much, like, I really appreciated working with all those different people. I called out different groups that I'd worked with in four and a half years is a long time. So like, I think there was like 400 people that received this thing and it was just, it just felt good to be able to like say that. And like people write their notes and like, Oh, stay in touch and all those things. And I ended up sending one just to make sure I'm like, Hey, just a heads up. You're going to get this like weird email <laughs> um, with my picture on it that says like, you've received a gift pod. Um, that's just like my love that I wanted to give y'all. And so there's so many different use cases for our wedding. You know, we we're supposed to have a 150 person wedding and it turned out because of COVID we had nine, you know, it was just our immediate family. And so we asked everybody in our, that was going to be invited to our wedding, like, please send us a note of like, congratulations or advice or like a funny memory of us as like a couple that you encountered Um, because you're our tribe and we want to have that memory like we we didn't get a chance to have you at our wedding and you know we got a ton of people that like sent that back to us and now like we have that memory on our phone both my both my parents turned 60 this year so for my mom's you know, we did the exact same thing. Family, friends, coworkers all recorded things. And they did do one of those like parade drive-by things, but they also she now has this and she could always remember her 60th birthday. And so we want to like be able to capture multitude of different occasions. Um, you know, one of my favorites is Father's Day. Um and you're both fathers, so you'll hopefully appreciate this. Like I'm it's weird. I had like four of my closest homies um i think all of which except for one was going to be in my wedding party and i reached out they were first-time fathers i reached out to their wives and i was like hey you should record i'll give it to you for free you should record a gift pod for uh your husband and like let me know how he reacts and like it was just like one it was beautiful for me to like be the like interviewing producer to be like okay like tell me about this this and that and like i was so proud just hearing uh, these women talk about their husbands who are like my, some of my best friends and mm. like how great of humans they've been to then become great fathers. And so that, that like, I'm, I, have to, I actually have chills right now because it, like, it was just like so fun to be able to work on that. And so like, it's those types of memories that I want to make sure that people can capture. Um, and we're gonna do it through GiftPod. And, you know, right now it is very much a, you either get interviewed or you send us your audio and then we produce it. Um, but we're gonna continue to evolve like how we kind of build that out
1: that's super cool um rodney uh i have to cut this as we are just about over I know. now it's gone a, and a little too fast it has been like there are just so many places i would love to keep going on this conversation but with that being said since we have time um why don't you ask the man firstly just thank you thank you for joining and
3: um man kindred spirit like there's a mm-hmm. lot of similarities in here I I, I I was why i wasn't talking a lot i was just like reflecting like man is, are we the same dude oh no it's like <laughs> so it's a funny <laughs> thing <We're more laughs> like, <the>
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: before um so look really appreciate you um we asked this every guest at the end of the episode it is now your audience and what would you like to leave them with
2: you know the thing Uh, that I definitely try to tell people is to sit down and evaluate like how much time that you have in a given day. Um, You know, for me, I try to get eight hours. I don't always get eight hours of sleep, but like that's eight hours. Um, And then if you are working a corporate job, let's say that is eight hours. And I would try to recommend that you don't give that much more because you're not necessarily going to get that much more out of it by doing that. But that leaves you with eight hours in your day and be very thoughtful about how you that eight hours and if there are things that are itching that you're itching to try use those moments to try those things use those moments to connect with people um send them five dollars on venmo right and say like here have a coffee on me to reconnect with people like be very very thoughtful about those eight hours and you'll really start to figure out that you can truly unlock like who you are as an individual. Cause that's really what's helped me is when I've spent that time, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I do have a week that I would take off where I would just spend by myself. Um, and sometimes I'd be productive. Sometimes I wouldn't, but it was really to focus and recenter myself. And from there, I realized that I have those eight hours in every day. Like, let me take full advantage of this, spend it with the people that really bring you value and bring you joy. Um, and, and, you're going to really, really start to understand who you are and, you know, just be empathetic to to everybody and what they're going through and don't try to guess because you really don't know until you actually um, sit down and have a conversation with them.